Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. It was surprisingly really good. It was like, it had a Pop-Tart bottom, but like the, the top was kind of cakeish, So it was actually very good. I would definitely recommend doing that again. Pop-Tart aficionado, Cooper Beebe. After enjoying some of that morbid scene in post-game. I'm surprised that anybody else got anything after the O-line <laughs> got, got out. You know, and especially it was good. You know, like a fat guy and cake? Are you kidding me, man? Those guys, and they earned it too. Yes. You know, they've they probably been kind of hungry, and then they see that thing pop out of there. They go in for a bite, and they go, oh, my God, boys, this is pretty good. Right. The O-line does one more push and pushes everybody <laughs> back. We're going to take this over. I don't know that ever anybody was fully prepared for the amount of Pop-Tart that was left over, though. I saw pictures. I yeah. did. I yeah. saw pictures, and I was like, it, it, "It looked like pizza without cheese." <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Am I right? Yeah, yeah it did. honestly. You know, it, I did think they were good sports, but because like right after a game, a pop tart doesn't sound like the greatest thing. You know, it doesn't sound like something you're like hankering for a pop tart. I'm still trying to clarify how in the heck they got the official paid off to go ahead and do the full spiel before doing the coin flip. <laughs> because he he gave it the full-on announcement mm. of being the most the uh, first edible pop or uh, first edible mascot in bowl history. I was like you don't hear that every day from the referee <laughs> ahead of the game. Yeah, no, you should have Got Bruce Buffer in there. He could have livened it up some more. Just, if you're going to do the announcement, just do the whole thing. Don't give them any more ideas, yeah. okay? I, I, I take that back. They now have to look for another gimmick for next year, right? Uh, and and in the grand scheme of things, I think it's what? Kellanova is what they call themselves now. It's not Kellogg. It's Kellanova. At least $12 million in promotional just from the Pop-Tart Bowl. Wow. That's crazy, wow. actually. And everything that went on. 
Wow. The memes were amazing. Uh, that's probably one of the best parts, I think, so far. It's just all the reactions to the mascot, to the him standing on the toaster at the end of the game. Uh, that was rad. That, that was, and whoever was in that suit. They Pay did their job man. well. Yeah. They did their Pay job that well. Man. I, I think I saw a story. Uh, I want to say, if I'm remembering it right, it was about the Pop-Tarts mascot, and it was actually the old retired Benny the Bull. They used to do the oh, Benny the Bull. Really? They got Way. him to do the mascot for the Pop-Tarts, and I was like, you could totally tell. Yeah. Like, I know what he's doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. By the way, hi. I'm Troy Coverdale. <laughs> that guy is Dave G with the yeah. wonderful laughter every day. <laughs> and it's Owen Burke at the controls. <laughs> Mitch Fortner has the day off uh. as... It's the first time back in this studio uh-huh. since uh, all of the activity of last week. It's wow. good to be back. Uh, I, yes, it is good to be back. It's also good to have gotten some sleep somewhere along the way. <laughs> it's kind of important. Uh, yeah, I learned a hard lesson. For those who did not hear me mention this yesterday and today, uh, I learned that at 52 years old, I can no longer do all-nighters. Oh, no. It's a tough lesson to learn. We, well, our flight was 530 out of Orlando on Friday morning. There was no way I was taking my sleeping pill when we got back to the hotel at midnight, knowing full well that I'm going to have to rouse my butt out of bed at about 3.30 so that we can get to the airport Uh on time, Uh about a 25-minute jaunt, depending on how fast Uber wants to get us there, (laughs) and then deal with an airport <laughs> at, at 4.15 in the morning. No thanks. The man. day after a bowl game. Was oh. it busy in there? I feel oh, like it, it was awful. Yeah, it I can was, only imagine. And, and Delta did themselves no favors in that, um, you know, boarding was supposed to begin at 4.40 or at 4.50. Yeah, they just did start boarding, or I should say just started uh, taking people's reservations or grabbing the bags at 4.05. You know, you're supposed to give them a 45-minute window. They weren't giving themselves a 45-minute window. So we got some extra handy-dandy little tags added to ours, you know, that were express. So you wasted the time of another employee having to go through the line and do all of these bags with extra tagging because you couldn't be here on time to open the counter at... You know, 350, 355. It never goes right if you have to go. If you have to be at the airport at 4 o'clock in the morning, it never goes right. I've had to do some really awful flights just to Chicago and back from Kansas City, which is just a short flight. Right. Never, ever goes right. It either gets canceled or they're not ready. And then, they're you know, you're, you're in Orlando – the like what four days after Christmas, so everybody's yes, you know. Oh my God, no! And and, and so TSA was a little rough and oh. a little agitated, probably just just a touch because maybe I had slept fifteen minutes total. I mean, it, I really wasn't sleeping sleeping at all in that time frame from about midnight thirty to three thirty. It wasn't happening. Let's be perfectly honest. So. By the time we rolled back into Manhattan, I had a headache like you wouldn't believe. Oh. At about 12.30 on Friday, dropped off what I needed to drop off here, grabbed my car, went home, dosed heavily on Tylenol, <laughs> and said goodbye to the world for about three hours. Yeah. But I learned a lesson. 
I could not do all-nighters anymore. Oh. That headache told me all I needed to know right there. <laughs> yeah, I usually struggle through them. I'm not even, I'm not even getting up there yet. I didn't <laughs> like doing them, you know, it, when I was a college kid. Hated them. Hated them. I would much rather do what I do now, and that is get up in the morning. As much as I grumble about it, I would a lot rather be up in the morning to get things accomplished. And my parents have always joked about the fact that I was the guy that the moment my feet hit the floor, I was often moving. And, you know, that that still kind of holds to the way I live life now. It's never changed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. So enough of the uh, travel log left from Orlando. The game itself, that was... It was interesting on many levels. That's definitely by far and away the best word to describe <laughs> that game was. Interesting was it. <laughs> I realize it's kind of a stock way of putting it in, in, in my case. I utilize that word way too many times. But there were so many twists and turns through the course of the game that interesting really winds up being a very good word for it. Because you had K-State come out and look like world beaters right out of the box. You had a lot of limited run opportunities for Avery Johnson designed run opportunities. And I know that there are a lot of people critiquing the throwing numbers through the course of that game. Not fully cognizant of how really the game was being called by the offensive staff. There's more on offensive staff, by the way, that we'll touch on in the 5 o'clock hour because there's a name now being connected that we will touch on in the 5 o'clock hour. But I wanted to make sure that we cleaned up all of the little remnants. No, not of the Pop-Tart itself. No, 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 not Strawberry himself. That that <laughs> Those remnants got pushed out the gate at... <laughs> The Camping World Stadium at some point. Yeah, that ship uh, sailed. You mean the darling of college foot? Yeah, college football right now. Pop my Art. my man. Listen, they had the logos off the field before we left that Dang. night. We gotta wow. go. They had the signs from the locker rooms directing to the locker rooms down by the time we left that night. Wow. Do they have another bowl game stacked up at that stadium? They did. They had okay. the Citrus Bowl yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. So you. By the time that we played the game, you had Iowa and Tennessee fans that were already making their way in. Uh, Point Orlando was going to be the site for the pep rallies for those two schools. So they left the video board stuff all set up, everything tied to that after having the pep rallies for us. So, you know, they were well prepared, but they literally washed the Pop-Tarts logos off the field before we walked out of the building. Man, this used to be, correct me if I'm wrong. This used to be the Camping World Bowl, correct? It was. It was also the Cheez-Its Bowl. And the Cheez-Its Bowl. So they've had now a few decades, right, of of experience where they're like, we'll host three here, no problem. Yeah. We know exactly what to do. That's impre- That really is impressive. That's that's pretty impressive. No, they were very solid hosts. Yeah, absolutely very solid hosts, and you can tell that they have that entertaining aspect of it right. pretty well taken care of. Sure, uh, there there were few complaints right to be had. 
What I'm what I'm hearing is we need to get the camping world guys over there at Delta. Maybe we can get on our flights <laughs> on time because they were moving. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Get those guys at the airport at 3:30. Uh, we'll get there on time. Florida Citrus Sports did a wonderful job. Yes, right down to handing Chris Kleiman a light Miller light after he was done with his press conference. <laughs> the only fumble they made there was that they did not hand one over to Gene. Ah. And and so Kleiman was saying, "Hey, give one to my boss." <laughs> Smart man. And he was making sure he took care of of his boss, his boss. at the at the end of all of that. Are we are we diving I, in? You know what? I, and I want to touch on something. I still sure. haven't even pulled the the commemorative box out of my uh, out of my bag yet. Ah. Does that tell you anything? Um, we went on air. We got to pull the. We're, yeah, we're opening that baby on air. I want to see it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I'll, I can wait until after if you want to wait till after six. <laughs> no, but no, Dave, no, I don't know no, if he's gonna make it. It just means it just means I gotta haul out to the car and and yeah. grab that out of there. But yes, there are plenty of things to talk about still from the game. Yes, I, offensively, the offensive game plan. I know Twitter was ablaze with people unhappy with Connor or Connor Riley, the way that it played out. <laughs> I, I for one, I un, like the way I looked at it was last year you had an opportunity to uh, two years ago, excuse me, two years ago when Casey played LSU mm-hmm. and Colin Klein was doing his interview for the job, there was an opportunity to let it rip and open it up a little bit and let's see what we got under the hood on this thing. I thought this time. You play like even though they were short their guy on defense, they were still a very good defensive football team. You have a quarterback making his first start, a freshman quarterback making his first start. The the number one offensive weapon is gone, and the number two offensive weapon besides DJ Giddens, so I'll say the number three or four option gone as well, and you're left with a very stout offensive line. And that's pretty much it. I thought that's what the the play calling mirrored. Is it's not time to open it up. It's time to play small ball. It's time to play safe football and get the ball down the field. Something that, if you look at a larger picture, stood out to me yesterday and and really stood out to me throughout all of bowl season. And we tend to be bad about remembering that you know, there are guys on the other side of the field. <laughs> yeah. We expect that it's to be cats by 90. For sure. You know, there is a certain level of expectation from fans that it's going to be cats by 90. Right. It doesn't play that way because you're facing someone else who's got a scholarship. Right. In the grand scheme of things. Right. Okay. Here's how good this defense was this year. They gave up 45 to Notre Dame. But beyond that, they gave up 41 to Marshall. They didn't give up more than 24 points again until November 18th when they gave up 28 to Virginia Tech. They gave up 20 to North Carolina. They gave up 28 to K-State. Mm-hmm. A solid defense. That's pretty good. A solid defense. The Marshall game in there, that's, you know. Yeah. Um, I felt like just watching, I felt, I, I just said, these guys are pretty solid on defense. <laughs> they're, they're, that's their strong point, obviously. 
the other thing, and again, this goes back to other games that I was watching throughout the course of, of bowl season, third quarter adjustments, halftime adjustments have become so important as part of a game. We talk about how teams bolt out to leads only to see them slip away, second halves. Halftime adjustments have become just as important as your first half game plan is. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it showed throughout the entirety of bowl season, not just K-State's game. But what it does point out on a larger scale, or on a smaller scale, if you want to look at it just K-State-centric for a moment, we see this week in and week out where third quarters for K-State have not been the most fluid for a couple of years. And a large part of that is because you're still feeling out then what your opponent has done to adjust at halftime. The things that were successful for you in the first half, if you try to go to the well too many times in the third quarter especially, it's likely that you've run into the adjustments. Sometimes you can over-adjust Kansas moving away from the option against K-State third quarter. They over-adjusted offensively. Remember, we didn't see the option game from the Jayhawks again after halftime. If you go back and pay attention to that game. That's big. That was huge. That turned the game because it eliminated what was hurting K-State. That's what was killing them in the first half. Exactly. It was a bad adjustment on the part of Kansas. If They, they could have tried it again in the third quarter, and, and if K-State started to stop it, that's fine. But they didn't even put it out there. Mm. You can over-adjust. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the the third quarter has become more of a feeling-out period than the first quarter is anymore. Do you get that feel? I do get that feel. I honestly, I think it's sometimes, I like, I think I fall more in that philosophy. I think the third quarter might be more important because you could get caught up in so many things before a game. What's this going to look like? What's that going to mm-hmm. look like? You get to the locker room. I've seen it for a half. All right. Now what are we going to do differently? What are we going to do the same? And you could really, especially if you're getting the ball first in the second half, if you can get points at the end of the first, go to halftime, get the kickoff, you could break a team's back in two possessions. Even if there's with that halftime break in the middle. Right. If you punch somebody in the mouth coming out of the third quarter, you can almost shut a team down that way. So I feel like we need a little bit more aggression coming out of the third quarter sometimes, but I would rather be over-aggressive and make mistakes than be conservative and you know kind of sit there and like, all right, we're still feeling this out. Similarly, when you script plays at the start of a game, the old Mike Shanahan ploy. I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Teams also script their first 15 of the second half. Right. That doesn't take into account the adjustments that have taken place. Right. You've got them scripted pregame. Right. I was just going to say that. And, you know, it's almost like you said over-adjustment. It's like there's almost too much on the fly. You know, where mm-hmm. we're like, okay, wait, wait. And it comes across the players play that way too. They play a little tight coming out of the second half. I think when you're over-adjusted, when, when you've said, this is what they're doing and we're going to try this now, um, I wish we were a little I, I, like – Mm-hmm. A little more aggressive, just a little, you know. 
But by that point of the ball game, K-State felt like that they were in a pretty good spot. And I don't think that they felt that aggression was the way to approach it. Right. However, again, to speak to the adjustments that were made, you notice where the rushing totals changed for DJ Giddens mm-hmm. at halftime. Mm-hmm. Went from the very good first half of yardage to getting limited yardage after halftime. I think at one point in the fourth quarter, he was down to like 25 yards since mm-hmm. halftime. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it, it, it flipped on him. Mm-hmm. And then when... NC State started to gain a little offensive momentum. Things got a little sweaty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then V.J. Payne took care of business. Just by way of noting, Avery Johnson wins the MVP. And there were some NC State coverage guys that were in our area of the press box, as well as Cole Carmody from uh, Go Power Cat and Mitch and I. And something got said about, you know, who'd you vote for? And, and I said, I'll, I'll be honest, and I'm probably the odd one here. I said, I voted for V.J. Payne because that turned the ball game. <laughs> that was, yep. And Mitch looked right at me. He said, he, I did too. <laughs> so right out of the box, you had the two of us voting for V.J. And I th- if I remember right, Cole said he did. Mm-hmm. But Avery was attention-grabbing enough sure. with what he did in the course of the game that he picked that up. That uh, rarely is it one thing that changes the course, like the, the the course of history, the way that game was going, and that hit lays out, and it is over. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was amazing, and you know, rarely do we get anything like that. Um, with the way the penalties are anymore, um, <laughs> rarely. <laughs> but yeah, VJ Payne, what what a sneaky pick! I really like that. That's Thank you. Very nice. You know, and again, I found it very interesting that Mitch had the same had the same pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are sitting next to each other, but we're not looking at each other's homework. Chris Kleiman did talk a bit about that third quarter lull. And then we got into a little bit of a rhythm uh, in the fourth quarter, which allowed us a couple big drives. Um, you know, one obviously with the touchdown, and then get the interception and be able to basically run the clock out. And that's something that's really important to me, really important to Coach Riley and our offense, is to finish the game, uh, finish uh, the game on the field offensively. And um, we've been going forward on fourth down all year, and we were four for four tonight, and that was a huge deal. There's the aggression that Owen wanted. Fourth downs, that's where K-State Love it. Was, was strong that way. But, yeah, one of the things going forward to watch with this program is going to be those third-quarter lulls and adjustments at halftime mm-hmm. and see where things develop from there. There is news of a name that is being reported for the K-State staff. We'll talk about that in Hour 2. Ew. When we come back, though, you have not heard in its full glory – And I say that knowing full well that Beef was standing there without a shirt (laughs) as he gave this uh, conversation to the media. We'll hear from Cooper Beebe from Game Night coming up here on The Game. The Game continues on News Radio KMAN. A Pop-Tarts Bowl post-mortem, if you will. Troy, Dave G, Owen Burke handling the controls today as we're back with you. Mitch will be with us on Friday for a short time. 
I'll bolt early, head over to Manhattan High to get a set, but that night it's Junction City and Manhattan High. So the uh, first of their two basketball matchups is on tap on Friday night, so that's when you'll next hear Mitchell join us. Oh boy, Manhattan Junction? Already on Friday night. That's, that's your welcome back to the basketball schedule. That's right. Coming up on Friday night right there. That one uh, has some history behind it. No, not at all. It's got a little, <laughs> it's got what we like to call the Pop-Tarts Bowl-esque history. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if the trophies is cool for JC <laughs> but it's up there. Man, you don't know, dude. You don't, You're showing your ignorance there, man, because, no. It is serious business. It is. I mean, when I was in school, we, we were we were not great at basketball, so they used to just dunk all over us. We'll see it football season. Yeah, we'll see they, yeah, baseball. right. Yeah, we'll see a mm-hmm. baseball. We're how the wrestling guys do, you know, like that kind of yep. stuff. Yep. Oh, I get it. I understand but it completely. Basketball, man. Whew. Now you understand why you know I danced on the floor of my wife's high school after we won a sub-state title there <laughs> you know same, same similar concept yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm still disowned for that one my mother-in-law just <laughs> never let you time? live that one no down. no remember the time all right let's uh <laughs> let's get to this because uh cooper bb spent a little time talking after the game his final game in a K-State uniform, having come back for that one final season, and he goes out as a winner as uh, the Cats pick off the Pop-Tarts Bowl victory again a uh, week ago coming up on Thursday in Orlando. It mean to you to not only win, but do it for, you know, Connor Riley with his circumstances today. I mean, it was huge. Um, you know, that was one of the reasons none of us opted out. You know, Coach Riley's poured and poured into us, you know, five, six years, and, you know, it was only right um, that, you know, we – we were there for his tryout. I thought he did a great job. So, you know, we love that dude to death. We would never leave him hanging. DJ Giddens, what do you think he did best today? Ran through people is what he did best. Um, that dude's a stud. I mean, he's running over dudes left and right. He's running hard. You know, he's making a lot of explosive plays. You know, that, that kid's special. It's been fun with him this year. A lot of people around the country, NFL draft picks, are deciding not to play in their bowl games. Why was it so important for you to play today? Um, you know, one, um, you know, Coach Riley, like I said earlier, man, he's he's done so much for us, and, you know, it was only right. And, you know, being a leader of this team, you know, I, I love K-State to death. You know, K-State's my family, and, you know, I never wanted to leave him hanging. You know, we've been a lot through through a lot with these guys, and I had to finish it the right way. And you guys are up two points. Could kick the field goal, go up five. It's fourth and one, and coach decides to run behind you. How excited were you when that play call came in, and did you know that it was going to be an automatic first down? Um, you know, it's it's always nice um, when your coach has, has faith in, in the O-line and the offense that's going to get it done. And, you know, it's one of one of our go-to plays. Um, you know, I knew, I knew, you know, we talked right before that, you know, this this is a huge, huge down for us, and we had to give it everything we got, and, and we converted. So, How sweet is it for you to end your college career with a win like this? Um, it's huge. Um, you know, y- y- you want to leave on a high note. Um, you know, just, just all I've done, you know, poured into this program, you know, all the hours and just – just to end on a win is such a special feeling. Um, you know, something I'm, I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Any other pop I did. I, I'll tell you what, it was surprisingly really good. It was like, <laughs> it had a Pop-Tart bottom, but like the, the top was kind of cakeish. So it was actually very good. I would definitely recommend doing that again. 
strawberry. It was strawberry, yeah. What were your thoughts when uh, the, the, the call comes in for the fake punt? The replay's hilarious. Your head is on, on, on a swivel. Well, I told myself, um, you know, we got – I saw the two dudes drop out. I knew it was going to hit. And, you know, I was just, just running down trying to knock somebody's head off. Um, you know, I got about 20 yards and nobody's turned around yet. And I was like, I don't know who I'm supposed to block here. And, you know, I whiffed, but, you know, we, we got the first down, so that's all that matters. Also, your chest is all red. Is that from the pads or just people chopping you? Or? Oh, I mean, it's part pads. And, you know, when you play O-line, you, you got to get dirty. You get hit all the time. And that's just part of it. What do you think Avery did best tonight handling quarterback duties? Um, I think biggest thing, man, is, is just control all the pressure, you know. It, Having his first start being a bowl game, a huge, huge moment. I, I thought he played well, played composed. And like I said before, I mean, that dude's a stud. Um, he's going to carry his program to heights. You know, we, we haven't reached before, and I'm, I'm excited to get to watch him. That final drive, uh, when coach decided to go for it on fourth down instead of kick the field goal, what did that tell you as offensive lineman? Um, it just, you know, told us that he had faith in us. Um, and, you know, when, when our numbers called, you know, we knew – you know, he, he was backing us, so we had to get it done for him, and, you know, it turned out in our favor. We got one of our one of our favorite play calls, and, you know, we converted, so it was a huge play. Anything you want to say reflecting on your Kansas State career? Um, I'd just say, man, I appreciate, you know, anybody, all the players, all the coaches that I've came in contact with, you know, all the staff members. It's It's been, it's been a hell of a ride, um, you know, and I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, people always ask me, did I regret ever coming back? And I, I told them, no, man, this is – this team's special, this place is special, and it's forever be in my heart. When you look back on your career, what are you most proud of? Um, I think just the growth, um, you know, turning, you know, I came in a boy and turned into a man. Um, that's really, you know, one of the big parts that we emphasize, man. You're not you're not just here, here to play football. You're here to grow up. You become a better person. I think, you know, that's the biggest part. You leave, you leave here a man, and that's, you know, that's how I'm leaving. What was the uh, interaction with Coach Riley at halftime compared to uh, postgame? Is he the same coach at halftime? Um, absolutely. You know, it, it, it got awkward, you know, when him not being down there, you know, you, we didn't get yelled at as much. Um, so it was kind of a, kind of a weird feeling. But, you know, you know, we were just so, so excited for him. And, and, and you know, he walked in. He's like, we got to keep punching these dudes in the mouth. Um, you know, we, we came out, struggled early, but, you know, we, we, we made a huge play. Jace, I mean, mossed the guys. So that was huge for us and, you know, put us in the position to win. And defense made a crucial stop. So, you know, it's an all-around team win. One of the things that it is easy to forget with everything that went on during the course of that game, Cooper Beebe was literally wide open out in front of Jake Bloomer on the fake punt. Yeah. I mean, had he had one more guy to block in front of him, look out. That would have been another X number of yards. It was one of the most strategic and smartest things NC State did was they just waited for him to run past them and then got Bloomer <laughs> from behind. There's no way you get in front of that guy with a head of like a head of steam like that. You wait for him to pass and then you go get the ball carrier. He was that was executed so beautifully. It was awesome to see. And just hearing stuff like that all season long, Cooper Beebe is a really tough guy to like. You know, he is so, <laughs> so tough to like. That guy, what mm-hmm. a wonderful – I'm so happy we got all the years we did with him. He's so cool. Did you see the tweet from the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department, by the way, the <laughs> day after the morning after? I did not. No, they were giving up all of their donuts for 24 hours to have Pop-Tarts ah, in his honor. Right on. <laughs> I, did, I loved that picture of him in the locker room, though, shirtless, holding yes. court. 
Yes. That was fantastic. Yeah. You you, you uh, win your final game. Do whatever you want. You got that right. There's <laughs> Yeah, there's no better way to, because, I mean, he talked about playing hard for Connor Riley and everything. Avery Johnson didn't get sacked a single time. <laughs> That's game. right. So no. They That's kept right. the boy clean. Mm-hmm. They did they did well for their coach. And again, right. there were not very many designed runs for Avery in that game. And it, it th- this cannot be overstated. But there are people that wanted to be critical of what Avery's throwing stats were that night. How many times did you see him maneuver towards a sideline, looking downfield, and a play wasn't there, mm-hmm. and he threw the ball away? Right. He managed the game. He did. Which is a big reason why he won MVP. Yes, it's why the throwing numbers, percentage-wise, weren't great. But for crying out loud, that is a freshman in his first start going against a very good NC State defense, one that effectively put them at 9-3 and three going in. Yeah, and they were hungry for that 10th. If you mm-hmm. looked at any of their mm-hmm. social media stuff, them, their official account, and the fan base were hungry for 10, and they were sitting back and waiting for Avery to make a dumb decision with the football like all freshmen do, and he didn't. He yeah, didn't do it. Did not throw an interception. Nope. There were no turnovers on the game for the Cats. Nope. Which is something that had not been done against NC State, but I think two other times this season. Jeez. Because they were very opportunistic all year mm-hmm. defensively. Mm-hmm. And they won a lot of field position battle too. I mean, they yes. were I think they were top thirty in sacks as a team in the nation. Yes. Like they, that was a it's a good pass rush that they have and all five of those offensive linemen come back, keep them clean the whole game. It was huge, and there's no better way for Cooper Beebe and the guys to walk out after that either. The Cats finishing the year 9-4, and four, and now we start to look towards 24. Before we do that, though, we talk a little hoops coming up in a moment. The Cats on the hardwood tonight against Chicago State. We'll talk about it next on the game. <laughs> This is one of the times that I get to call on my experience of having been with a team that effectively was an independent at the Division I level. Looking back at the days of Northern Colorado making its transition to Division I and when it was playing a ton of money games. And the reason I say that is Chicago State is in town tonight to take on your Wildcats. K-State has not played since the 21st of December. Wow! Do you know when Chicago State's last game was? Uh, let's see. Okay. I'm going to say... Go ahead, go ahead. Go. It was like two days ago. Yeah, I'm okay. guessing it's early, quickly. You're, yeah. you're not bad. You're not that far off. Saturday. Saturday. Wow. They played DePaul on Saturday. Oh. Guys, they've played 19 games already this year. Jeez. Yeah, when you read the records, I was like, oh, they have played a lot of games. <laughs> and the problem is, is because they are an independent. That will change next year for them. They have been in a, such a situation that, as an athletic department, that you know they essentially were put into the position where almost a New Mexico State type of a situation as it pertains to football until getting into Conference USA, finally, where no conference wanted them. They spent time in the Western Athletic Conference, which has been revamped how many times over. Remember when 
UMKC was in the Western Athletic Conference for a brief bit. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's terrible. Yeah, we, we laughed about that when DU, Denver, was in there as well. Jeez. So you already have seen a schedule that has included, uh, by the way, a loss to my Bears in Cancun, no less, hey. by one. <laughs> um, but they literally have played at Bowling Green. They played at Southern Indiana. They played... At Southern Illinois, they went to Cancun for a pair. They played at Loyola Chicago, so cross town. Got a home game against Delaware State. Got another one against Stetson. Actually hosted University of St. Thomas, which is in the summit. And this is where they made their hay. After losing by four to the University of St. Thomas... They beat Northwestern by two, December 13th. Northwestern was ranked 25th. Ooh. Ooh. First time that they'd beaten a top 25 team ever. <laughs> ever. A top That's... 25 team? Mm-hmm. Ah, top 10, not 15, 25. They nice. then turned around and went into Valparaiso and clipped them by one before coming back home and beating Texas Rio Grande Valley who had been part of the WAC, uh, used to be the former uh, Texas Pan-American. The Vipers or something? Yes. As in Edinburgh, Texas. They won that game. Then they beat Bethune-Cookman at home. So they got four straight wins before getting their handed to them by Wisconsin on December 22nd. They literally played December 13th, December 16th, December 18th, December 20th, December 22nd. So, and that was Illinois, so the home home state. Valpo's in Indiana? Correct. Then back they go home. To, then no, they, they were back home. Then they go back home. They played UTRGV in Chicago. Okay, okay, okay. But okay. did have Bethune-Cookman also in Chicago before going to Madison. Okay, okay. And then trekked out to Cal Baptist. Riverside, December 27th, before returning home to play, or to Paul on December 30th. Hmm. So, so, how about we do it this way? December 3rd, played Stetson. From that point on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games that they have played since December 3rd to get to 19 games. Meaning tonight, they reached their 20th game in a 30-game season. After tonight, they have 10 games over the next two months. (laughs) That's crazy. That's nuts. (laughs) Folks, on the second half of the season is classroom time. That's what we're doing. Not only that, not only that, they play tonight here. They play in Stillwater tomorrow night. Dang. Back to backer. And then haul to El Paso to take on UTEP on Sunday. Oh, my God. So they're going to be, I mean, you're talking about a month and three weeks. They're going to have, what, seven games to play? It gets worse. They'll travel to FDU in New Jersey on January 10th. A week from tomorrow night. Then it's Stetson in DeLand, Florida on Monday the 15th. They play something called East-West University at home on the 19th. (laughs) And will welcome in St. Xavier of Illinois on the 21st. 
Then they get a breather for 10 days. I was like, are they going to play a basketball game in February? Before traveling to Duquesne, Pittsburgh, on the 31st. They will have three games for the month of February. Plenty of practice, though, fellas. South Carolina State and Eastern Kentucky. So, in other words, they are on the uh, 30-plus takeoffs and landings plan. And I say that having been through that before. Does I mean, and I know I we don't know how much they make based on these like buying these buy games, but like after you take away the travel expenses, you're probably not left with a whole lot of cash. Right? You're left with as you pile it up like this. You're left with enough that you're paying for your program and something else. Ah. And a, a cool trip to like Cancun next year, maybe, or maybe they're paying they're paying for it now. No, that's why it's important for teams like that to get into MTEs, multi-team events, because they get a road game against someone and then get to go somewhere else and match up with pro other programs where it's not a road game, right, right, and where it's not costing them. Because they're in place for a couple of days. Mm, I see. Folks, this is the type of stuff when your athletic department is struggling or you're in the middle of the transition to Division One. this is the type of stuff that, I mean, this is the stuff that I jokingly referred to as the glamour of Division (laughs) One. This this is as low as it gets, Oof. and I don't say that as an insult to Chicago State. I'm saying that as the reality. Mm-hmm. This is as low as it gets because you are essentially, if you're lucky, playing 10 home games all year. And as you saw, they front-loaded the schedule to the point that this is game number 20 on their schedule tonight here in Manhattan. Crazy. That's crazy. It just doesn't seem humanly possible to do that to kids and be like, oh, by the way, keep your grades up. Mm-hmm. And yet we want to talk about, you know, coaches getting two, three, four, five million dollars and the players shouldn't be paid. Mm. What a great business model. <laughs> it worked in the 20th century. Yeah. It worked for a long time. It worked for a long time. I don't know how it worked as long as it did, truthfully. But. Oh, and help me out here. What do I need to be out by here? Yeah, we probably, we probably got it about another two minutes, I'd say. Oh, okay. I can, I can, jam, right. a, I can jam this last break in. All right. That'll work. Um, so they come in here uh, tonight. When you take a look at their stats, there's nothing flashy about it. They're... Averaging 71 a game, they're, or sorry, they're giving up 71 a game, they're averaging 64. They get out-rebounded on average by about five per game. Turnovers per game, yeah, uh, they'll force turnovers. 15 is what opponents are, are making. That's a little worrisome tonight. 14 turnovers per game, though, is what they're committing. Uh, it, again, they, they're, they're just, they're kind of the generic basketball team that you're playing coming out of break. And again, that's not meant as an insult. There's just nothing that stands out save for Wesley Cardet, who is averaging 19 points per game to go with five rebounds and is also their top assist guy at just over two and a half. He's the type of guy that will be a defensive struggle tonight. But once you get beyond that, you're not looking at this being a world-beating team. They had a lights-out night against Northwestern. 
Of course, there's also the fact that, well, they were playing Northwestern at Northwestern and had never beaten them in 16 tries. You know, it's kind of tough to talk about rivalry games when you're not winning any of them. <laughs> ah! I feel like this is one of the teams that I would not want to see on my schedule if they were well rested. Because, like, you know, yes. I mean, this team is going to be battle tested. They've went through everything. There's nothing that you could throw at them that they haven't seen before. The issue is, I don't know if they're going to have the stamina to pull an upset off. Jay Sean Corbett averages 13.7 boards a game. You've got two guys literally averaging double figures a game. Everybody else is below 10 a game. And again, uh, nobody else averages more than five rebounds a game. They're an opponent. And I hate to put it that way, but they're an opponent. Right. There is a perfect storm for a Northwestern kind of victory. But it just doesn't come all around that often. <laughs> not on, not on what three days rest. No, no. can happen. No, yeah. Welcome back from vacation, guys. Hope you enjoyed your time off. Who oh, boy. <laughs> that contest gets underway seven tonight. We've of course got it for you with pregame at six here on News Radio KMAN. What former Big Twelve head coach is talking possibly being a K State assistant? That in the next hour on the game.